on this week's episode of Polk and Kush, how about we get a little positive on the Pelicans as free agency passes by and Summer League gets rolling on? Not so positive? The Saints, where everything has decided to fall apart all at the exact same time. Speaking of, we've got a lot of talk about the city of New Orleans. We've got overrated. We've got underrated. We've got guys getting stuck in fans. Stick around. You're going to listen. Oh, and Kush. Welcome everyone to Poke and Cush. It's Thursday, August 12th, 2021. And Polk, our pets' heads are falling off. Every goddamn thing that could go wrong to the Saints has gone wrong, but we are happy to be here. Mr. Andrew Polk, Mr. Scott Kushner. And before we get into that, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's the summer. <laughs> You know, it's beautiful out. It hasn't been raining every day. I've been inside only. I haven't seen the sun. Sure. My translucent skin is now just crystal clear. <laughs> See the veins. Yeah. <laughs> I've been avoiding the Delta variant. That, that's actually uh, pretty difficult around these parts it right now. It seems to be. Well, I don't go to school. I don't have kids. That's true. All of my coworkers are, you know, locked in lucite. <laughs> It's airtight, it's bulletproof, they can't breathe, but you know what stops coronavirus? Not being able to breathe. Yes, that would, uh, step one, uh, you know, if we haven't said it on this podcast a thousand times, uh, get vaccinated. And if you're listening to this, and I said that, and you are not vaccinated, you probably said, fuck you. <laughs> and my response to you is, you're an idiot. I'm so sick of this debate at this point. Is it how is this even still a thing that's going on? If you go and uh, if you tell the doc that uh, you listen to Polk and Kush, he'll give you an extra shot for free. That's true. Yes, Polk has all three. You can get the elusive uh, <laughs> second Johnson and Johnson. Just tell him you're a listener. You can get the one that you're using in Japan that apparently didn't work and that they couldn't make enough of. So you can have that. Yeah. So uh, get vaccinated. I um, Somebody stole my identity, and now they're like using my phone number for stuff. But I got a text that the person who stole my identity is getting vaccinated. <laughs> I got... <laughs> it was like, hey, confirming your appointment. It's for a Rite Aid in Downey, California. You can't be serious. I sw I'm going to fly there and <laughs> dress up like a doctor. They stole your identity and then got vaccinated with it i guess they get a hundred dollars there could be some coincidences happening polk and kush listeners my identity has been stolen <laughs> everyone wants to be me being me apparently just consists of opening 10 accounts with at&t oh. and you know what's great i don't have an iphone this this gentleman who <laughs> stole my identity now has two and then I was like, can you tell me where uh, where the iPhones that uh, I bought were sent? And they're like, oh, no, that would be a violation of my information. <laughs> you think that's me? Uh, uh, it's my name on them. I think I should have the right to know where they are. I think what I should have done is called me like, hey, it's me. Yeah. Andrew Polk. You remember <laughs> that guy that bought all those iPhones? Hey, where do I live again? Could you just remind me of that? Do I have an accent? <laughs> Any particular dissent. All right. See you soon. I, but, yeah, I got a text. 
I've been getting shit. It was like somebody opened a coin bank account. If you didn't, click here. And FedEx and uh, CVS and all oh this my shit. Oh, God. How so long? I'm done. I'm done for. Yeah. How long does that take to clean up? Well, uh, luckily, the buffoon at AT&T, uh, I think they just switch off with Cox Communications. Sure. They have the same prisoners answering the phone. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, what? you know, maybe in a couple months. They said maybe like a f- like me to you. It's like you're a professional. Don't say maybe. Yeah. Like, Give me a real answer. This is not a, a small deal. This yeah. isn't like can I get the large fries? This is a, a, a very significant thing that's happening. Well, yeah, I don't know what to because they have the social security and you can't just change that. So, uh, no, it seems difficult. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to go on the lamb soon enough. Yeah, it's going to be the cushion cush podcast. <laughs> you just run away. We'll I'm, just, you know. I'll call in. It's going to be like Walter White. I'm going to be living in a cabin <laughs> in like North Dakota and I'm going to call you from the bar. And then they trace me. And I mean, dude, what a shit show. That's terrible, man. I'm very sorry you're going through that. But, you know, the weather's been nicer. Yeah, sure. We've been able Pile to... Pile of tires in front of the house. <laughs> They're never I call, going away. I fucking texted the landlord today. I was like, hey, Tommy, thanks for cutting the... I shouldn't have said his name. Hey, <laughs> hey, Stephen, thanks for cutting the grass. Uh, there's still a big fucking pile of tires in the yard. You what? care to do anything about that? He said, yeah, I've been... Uh, I've been I do believe that he's been calling 311, and they're saying no. You literally might as well just pick up, like, a toy phone. Instead oh, of calling three one one, just you know, like the my kids have a little like plastic rotary yeah. phone, you'd get the exact same amount done. If you've got young kids, it's more important than ever for them to go outside, soak up vitamin D, and swing on a tire swing. Yes. Now, if you've got <laughs> a sturdy oak in the backyard of the house you bought from Jansen, come on over. I've got ten <laughs> swings in my yard. Email polkandkush at gmail.com. We've got tires for free. And every time I hear a truck pull up, I'm like peeking out the curtains. Like, I bet that's more tires. I have tire PTSD. Oh, my God, man. That's never going to end. Those things that's like, you know, styrofoam in a landfill. They say like last for 500 years. Yeah. Those the tires on this street are going to be there for 500. years. I'm just going to wheel them into traffic one day. Yeah. What? I, that seems to be the best case. Would scenario. it be worse than what's going on out there anyway? <laughs> It's the best case scenario you have of them actually getting picked up. Uh, here's my promise to the Polk and Kush listener. If they are here come December, I will stack them <laughs> and make a Christmas tree out of them in the yard. <laughs> I know you don't celebrate. No, no. <laughs> I will that. I'll okay. celebrate uh, Tyrmus before I celebrate Christmas. Uh, yeah, man, that's unbelievable. We're going on what? Six months, four months. We need a timer of the last <laughs> the last day without tires in my front yard, like a zero days since last accident. L- zero days since there wasn't a fucking garbage dump in my front yard. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, it is. You know, the, it's not a tire fire, yeah. uh, but it is a, a tire vestibule, it's a tire, tire wasteland, pile. tire yeah. pile. Yes, that is for certain. Uh it, it is uh, metaphorically uh, similar to the Pelicans as to what they're going through right now. I want to keep talking about the tires. I don't want to get into it. I'm slowly transitioning the podcast to only be about Just personal the, gripes. The Mr. Magooing of my life, which is. I got a lot of problems with you people. The Pelicans bumbled uh, out of free agency. Yeah. Just like uh, the concept 
of the opportunity to improve, and instead they kind of squeaked by marginally. It felt like they were setting themselves up for something that could be great, and now they're just kind of sitting there, and they got better. I think you would say they improved. We sit here today, uh, really the only, the only changes that were made uh, from a you know, major standpoint were Steven Adams is out, Eric Bledsoe is out, Lonzo Ball is out, and in their place uh, is Jonas Valanciunas, who comes on for one year, Devontae Graham, uh, who comes over from Charlotte on a four-year deal, and then that's pretty much it. Garrett Temple signed and Thomas Sadoransky signed. They'll come off the bench. But for the most part, this team didn't do a whole lot to improve unless you play the game of, like, addition by subtraction. Well, uh, is the team better with the pl- player-wise? It's hard to say if they're better. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest step the team took is the coaching change. Yeah. Um, what I'm, What I think about with Willie Green and this team is – would this team with the exact same players from last year, maybe minus Eric Bledsoe, yeah. would they be better than the current iteration, having that time together? Yeah. A lot of people think Lonzo is suited to play well with Zion. I don't necessarily agree with that. But the biggest change on this team, being good or bad, I think is going to come from the coaching changes. And based on what they've done to this point in free agency, I think that's very valid. Uh, now there's still a couple moves up their sleeve. They have not done anything yet with Josh Hart. That is very clearly uh, on the table. Whether they bring him back in restricted free agency, there's still talks that they could trade him maybe for a Buddy Heald uh, in Sacramento and possibly to Cleveland. I think that came up as well. So there's still an opportunity uh, <clears throat> to to switch this team up in a in a larger way. But no matter what, I think the uh, the large ships have sailed. You're kind of left with who you're left with now. And the growth is going to have to be more internal uh, than I think we both initiate initially thought at the start of free agency. This team is going to have to grow from their young guys. All those draft picks they've made, they're going to have to get better. And, of course, it's going to have to be Zion and Ingram leading the charge. And, you know, that's not the dumbest strategy in the world. It really does make sense. And I think there's a lot of ways in which – at the beginning of all this, if you had told me that's how it's going to play out, I think I would have believed it. But it just feels like it's such a disappointment based on what what we thought was going to happen in the last week, especially like there was fake Memphis trades getting thrown all over the place and just like nothing happened, you know? Yeah, well, free agency is fun because it's flashy. It's like a video game. It's like, let's add some star players. Uh, a takeaway is, well, the Pelicans have two star players, and if they can develop a third with their own picks – grow somebody that is better than shooting for the moon swinging for the fences like we did you know every season before this one for the last five or six seasons yeah yeah and and that's i think it's really crystallized like you can't build build through free agency here you just can't like stop trying stop doing that and it might be to the point where griff i think maybe realized it It may have took it take a little bit longer uh than he might have expected but at the same time there's no questioning like they went into this free agency with very high aspirations they cleared the deck financially with the idea that they're going to be able to go get Kyle Lauer Chris Paul somebody who's a major game changer and instead the average person in this city who gives any crap about this team says well who is their big move and it's like well they got this guy Devontae Graham 
It's like, who? It's like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's never done anything remotely relevant, but he shoots a lot, and he's pretty good at it. He's about as good as Lonzo is at it. And they lost Statistically. Lon- yeah, yeah, statistically. Now, he shoots more often than Lonzo, so I think he's probably a better fit overall. And the way he spoke uh, at his interview the other day, I don't think you could have a guy who's more enthusiastic to be here, recognizes the position that he's in. I do think that's going to be a good fit overall. I just don't know if he's a starter. I think he's even willing to come off the bench, but you don't have five guys right now who you would call starters on this team. No. uh, Josh Hart, you know, Devontae Graham I could see being in maybe like a Josh Hart role and coming off the bench or – uh, more likely being what they wanted J.J. Redick to be. Sure. Uh, Devontae Graham is not a superstar name, uh, but I don't think that should really be held against him. He comes from an incredibly small market. People pay less attention to Charlotte than they do New Orleans, Yeah, and that's bizarre, and he is a good player. Uh, what I liked about hearing him speak the other day was a confidence, a general sense of wanting to be here. Yeah. Lonzo... Is not a very confident person. He's very young. Uh, you know, he's been in the spotlight since he was a kid. He mm-hmm. has an insane father. He lives a reality lifestyle, yep. a rea- reality TV lifestyle. Yeah. Devontae Graham is a basketball player who's going to shoot. And hopefully, you know, if it, it sounded like he's happy to be here. His fit as far as the team goes, put up some points, and then we'll figure it out. I think that's the best strategy for Devontae. True. I mean, you're right, and I think his role is really defined, which helps. Lonzo's role was never very defined. It was always like he came in as this ball handler who you thought was going to be the lead guard, and within, I mean, a couple months, they had taken that away from him, and that job basically belonged to Zion. I think Devontae Graham knows exactly what he's supposed to do. That will help a lot on its own. Uh, and now, I, I really, you, you look at this roster up and down, it's a lot of good guys. Like, I'm not saying they're great players, but you have a lot of guys who I think they're uh, pointed in the right direction as far as you don't have a lot of head cases, there's not a lot of selfishness, there's not a lot of, a lot of that stuff you, that, that is natural with NBA teams because there's so many egos in one room, and all these guys grew up being the right. best player where they're from. Uh, that doesn't really exist right now. Nikhil is not that way. Uh, the uh, rookie Trey Murphy doesn't seem like that at all. Uh, certainly Kyra Lewis has never seemed like that. Like Zion Ingram have all said the right things pretty much all the time. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much that matters, but when you take that, you add in the, what you were talking about with the Willie green factor and that all these guys in summer league are just gushing over how great of a coach Willie green is, how much they like being around him how eager he is to kind of connect with them. I think it's it's like it's easy to be negative. And believe us, on this podcast, <laughs> we have crushed this team over and over and over again, okay? And you can be disappointed in free agency and the way it went down, but I do think that there is a a road that we didn't anticipate them taking that can still lead to them having a pretty good team, and they don't have to be great. They have to win, you know, 44 to 45 games and everybody's going to say that's a good season based on the fact that they're going to have their young guys are going to have to play a lot of minutes and you're going to have a coach who's in his first year and you're going to have like a real momentum that can build up and convince Zion that this is something that he's working toward as compared to if you just pushed all your chips in with Chris Paul and, and Kyle Lowry you'd have an insane amount of pressure and there'd be no real safety valve to it 
at least now there is still a lot of pressure, but there is a bit of a safety valve there. There is. And to go back uh, just a moment of talking about these players having good attitudes, being smart and wanting to be here at least right now, that might not go uh, a long way on the court, but it's going to go a long way with these new coaches because it's not just Willie Green. We've also got Mike D'Antoni. We've got Jaron Collins on the team. I believe Jaron Collins is some kind of assistant. Yeah, he's like I think associate, the associate head coach. Yeah. Uh, and then Mike D'Antoni is a coaching advisor, which means I don't know what that means. It means he's got his arm around <laughs> a guy in a photo at Summer League, and people are like, look at him. He's I think, great. I think it means he doesn't have to be there every day. I think That's people, what I'm guessing. people just know his name, yeah. so they're like, this is a great move because we know who this guy is. It's like, do you know what he did last season in Brooklyn? <laughs> we can pay him a couple hundred thousand dollars. He can live wherever he wants. Willie can call him whenever he feels like it to bounce ideas off of him, and he'll pop by, you know, it's a coaching, for a road trip or two. It's a coaching hotline. You can call this guy <laughs> for $100 a minute and be like, Mike, I got some problems at the line. What are you going to do? Yeah, I don't know. All right, thanks. Yeah, it's like I got these guys who are fighting in the locker room. What am I supposed to do? It's like, oh, well, when Phoenix, we did this, this, and this. Like, all right, thanks, Mike. I don't think he's going to be there very much. I think he'll be around but not really involved. Uh, I think it's similar in a different way because uh, Danny Ferry was front office, but kind of like that, like Danny Ferry yeah. kind of came in and out when he was in the Pelicans front office as an advisor. Uh, so he was there. He was included in decisions, but he really wasn't there there. I don't know how that works with coaching because it's much more of a day to day grind coaching is than uh, than making front office decisions. So we'll see what that what that all looks like. Uh, but summer league, the Pelicans are two and zero. Uh, so the best, best summer league, the, team. the best damn summer league in ta- the summer league team in town. I mean, the Pelicans are uh, routinely a, a war path uh, in the summer. No, no team can have a more disparate record between what they do in Vegas and what they do in every other city in America <laughs> than the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, they've won two games. I think they've looked good. Uh, I, I, Willie Green obviously helps having your coach there. And those sorts of things. I think Trey Murphy looked really good in that first game. That goes a long way. And you've got a lot of guys who are going to be seeing at least roles on this team who are included. So unlike some past summer league teams, which were filled with random veterans, uh, this team does is somewhat representative of the actual roster. Do summer league teams not normally have their head coach there? No, typically it's an assistant that does it. Even like first year coaches? Yeah, so like Alvin Gentry didn't do it his first year here and neither did Monty. I don't think Monty did. Interesting. Yeah, typically it's like, uh, you know, some first year head coaches. But a lot of times your summer league team really has nothing to do with your, like nobody on your roster. The Pelicans have had years where like, no one on their summer league team played for them the next season. And this year it's going to be too many. And this year it's like five, you know, <laughs> like they have got Najee Marshall, Kyra Lewis, uh, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, and, um, and Didi Lozada. So they got five guys who are actually going to be on the roster. That's a third of your roster almost is going to be is playing right now in Vegas. So it is good to have your head coach out there. It is meaningful. Well, of course, they're destroying these schmoes out at Summer League. <laughs> D.D. Luzada just like was the Australian MVP or whatever. <laughs> but they've yeah, got, yeah, they've got some real players now. A lot of these teams, like I saw Michael Beasley is playing for the Blazers. Kenneth Fareed is playing All right. for, the, for, for the Portland. So like a lot of times these teams just pick up random guys and play with them that will never actually make their roster. So it is kind of meaningful to watch Summer League as much as summer league can be like it's, it's fun it's it's, o- it's organized yeah. drew league with yeah. less talent <laughs> yes. 
It's just fun that uh, that Bulls game was at two o'clock. I get to watch that at work. Yeah, I know the daytime afternoon basketball is very rare. Yeah, uh, it was like the best part of the bubble. <laughs> I was not exactly jonesing for basketball, but it was a nice little surprise. Yeah, because it kind of just ended. Yeah, you know, but uh, but it was good. I think the Pelicans are uh this is as interesting of a year to watch as any if you remember the last time there was summer league zion played like eight minutes uh was fat as hell and then there was an earthquake and then he never played again yeah he fell down and there yeah. was an earthquake. <laughs> and then jackson Hayes and Nikhil played very sparingly uh because they like deal didn't clear so there really hasn't been a very interesting as far as like for the whole team summer league in a while so this is good uh i think this is the most pelic positive we've been in the pelicans in in months i think so <laughs> did we did we both get laid last yeah, night like what happened is that what happened i don't know uh you would think something happened but no i i just uh i think it's i just i think it's very easy right now and nationally everyone is shitting on this team a lot because I think the expectations were high and we're contrarians. So now that maybe now they're going low, we're going to go high. Maybe that's maybe. exactly that's what's what happening. Is. No, there is uh, some fun stuff to take away from a Trey Murphy. It's summer league. Uh, I didn't watch the game tonight. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened, but Trey Murphy went off in that first game against the bulls. It's summer league. It doesn't matter that much. A lot of these guys can shoot. These guys can tear up the Planet Fitness basketball court against Schmoes. Yes. But Trey Murphy, six of eight or nine three-pointers, something like 28 points. Yeah. Uh, there was good ball movement. Not that it matters because none of these guys are going to be out there ever again. <laughs> no. But. No. Didi Luzada will not be in a pick and roll no. for five more years. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely like. You know, Najee Marshall's like the leading like leading ball handler. Like, all right, this isn't like reality uh, that's out there. But anyway, it is it, it is worth watching. Uh, and it is like a team that is going to be building in a way that I think for a long time people here wanted to see that you're going to see them build from the ground up. And that's what they're trying to do, whether it's by choice or by circumstance is a very different question. Right. Uh, but that's where they're at now, and they have to kind of build organically, and they have to – they're going to grow the, as Zion and Ingram grow. That makes them interesting. That makes them a team that I don't think is nearly as desperate and as uh, kicked in the teeth as a lot of people in the national media w are going to make it out to be. And the only other piece of news that came out in the last week is that the Pelicans are involved in an investigation with tampering as part of the sign and trade for Lonzo. I don't think they're going to get hit particularly hard, but you've, I've seen different predi predictions from all over the place. Basically, uh, the Pelicans traded Lonzo Ball 30 seconds after the deadline, after the, the period opened uh, for free agency. Obviously, there was negotiations that were occurring before it opened uh the bulls are definitely going to be found guilty because they clearly came to an agreement with lonzo sometime before uh and then the question is if the pelicans came to an agreement with garrett temple who was also a free agent and got traded from the bulls whether or not it matters i mean it'd be a fine maybe a loss of picks i think would happen to chicago we'll see what ends up happening to the pelicans i don't think it'll be too too bad but it is possible and if it is bad that's a real black mark on uh on david Griffin. I feel like this is one of the few times where it really is true about small market teams getting completely fucked. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't happen to the Lakers. No. 
no. 10 seconds after the, you know, the death. Like, yeah. that doesn't happen in Los Angeles. That doesn't happen in New, in New York. Yeah. That happens in New Orleans. The craziest part is that the only, the person whose fault it is is Rich Paul. It's yeah. in the tweet. It says, Rich Paul of, uh, of Clutch Sports tells ESPN. In the tweet, that's 30 seconds after, the only guy who will face no repercussions from this whatsoever is Rich Paul. They're no, not going to do yeah. anything. They're going to they're going to hurt the Bulls. They could possibly hurt the Pelicans. And the only guy who sits there and was going to get his money no matter what is Rich Paul. And he's going to keep doing this forever. Because it doesn't matter. He, yeah, until he destroys the NBA for good. <laughs> All he had to do is just wait. All he had to do is be like, yeah, 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 we'll give it an hour. Or give it 30 minutes. That's all it would have taken. That's what all these other teams did. Yeah. Give it 30 minutes. Set a timer. Yeah, instead it was like, we have to be first. We're going to make a splash, baby. Well, Rich Paul seems like the kind of guy that would wear, like, two watches, and neither one of them would have the correct (laughs) time on it. So maybe he just, like, looked at one of his fake watches and was like, oh, it's 30 minutes after. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and announce it. But no, he just watched Wolf of Wall Street and is like, yep, that's what I got to do. It's some art of war shit. For yeah. Sure. Like, we're going to be first. We're going to be number. <laughs> everyone's going to see Clutch Sports, Lonzo Ball, number one. We're going to the first one, $85 million. And, uh, yeah, I just re- very dumb. Definitely hurt Chicago, I'm sure. I can't even imagine how pissed off they are. Uh, and then we'll see what they, they can access phone records. It seems like you get fairly serious fairly quickly. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out if the Pelicans are in trouble or not, but it should be less so. We'll see what they ended up doing with Garrett Temple, though, uh, before everything went down. All right, we're going to take a quick break and be right back with Saints coverage. I called you. And it's Jansen, Jansen Patagna, the realtor to the stars. Jansen Patagna, everybody, <laughs> at French Quarter Realty in New Orleans. He's easy to work with. He has the best houses, best prices, best negotiator. Easy to work with, easy to talk to. He'll find your dream home today. Best jingle as well. Yes, yeah, some would say. <laughs> well, one one guy would say it's the best jingle. I wonder and, it's my, not, and it's not Jansen. <laughs> I wonder what my neighbor thinks of the jingle. <laughs> oh, man. Jansen Batagna, uh, our favorite realtor, no doubt. He's got houses everywhere from Araby to Mandeville, everything in between. Uh, he's got so much experience right now. Uh, he was considered what the, the the rising star, the number one like rookie of the year or whatever in real estate in New Orleans, and the fact that he's only been doing this for that long and he has sold this many houses. Yeah, he it shows now, you how easy it is. He's a wily vet. It's like the rookie of the year also winning the MVP. It's unbelievable what this guy has done. So he's got uh, he's red hot. He knows everything on the market. He's clearly capable of closing deals, getting you the best deal understanding how to get you from A to Z. Uh, I can't imagine anything better than giving Jansen Patagna a call and shooting him an email at J-A-N-S-E-N at F-Q-R dot com. Follow him on Instagram, J underscore Patagna. He's got a new listing right now over in Lakeview that was just put up two days ago, so it's probably already sold. But give him <laughs> yes, a follow, good, good check luck. it out, holler at him, tell him you like the show, tell him you want a house. It's unbelievable how fast some of these houses are going, too. It's, it's crazy. So 
the rates are super low right now. Interest is very high. Uh, can't I can't think of a better investment in your life than just to call Jansen. It seems pretty freaking simple. And the Jansen Batagna guarantee. When you get your new home, there will not be a big pile of tires in front of it. <laughs> That's trademarked That's true. by Jansen. That's true. You need to buy this place from Jansen, and therefore, you can get the tires removed from it. Step one. I think so. Profit. Uh, so, Jansen Batagna, everyone, once again, that is J-A-N-S-E-N at F-Q-R dot com. Shoot him an email, give him a call, and get with Jansen, that is a sponsor, everyone. So that'll take us into our Saints coverage for the week. And uh, as good as Jansen is, holy crap, have things gone in the shitter for the New Orleans Saints for once for a full week. Didn't you tweet something about this Saints offseason being a disaster a month ago? It was like two people two were and like, half weeks ago, shut yeah. up, you big baby. <laughs> and then God smited them and was like, oh, you'll make fun of Kush. I'll show you. People were literally like, how can you call it a disaster? Everything's going to be fine. We have Sean Payton, man, like and Mickey Loomis. They'll figure it out. It's like when you look at the holes on this team right now, it is unbelievable. Uh, Polk, do you want to run through what happened this week, or would you like me to? Uh, Michael Thomas, noted Twitterati guy, <laughs> he's on there, and he posted a cryptic message. It was in the Comic Sans font, so it's not that cryptic. <laughs> it looked like a child wrote it. Yes. It's a chalkboard font for children. <laughs> but he, you know, likes to tweet Drake lyrics whenever he thinks he's been... <laughs> Uh, mishandled by the local yes. media. I believe the the story is that uh, Dunk's story about Michael Thomas uh, is what caused the cryptic tweet. Yes. It said something along the lines of uh, what I don't tell people, what I don't tell people keeps the, their reputation good yeah. while they try and tarnish mine. Basically insinuating the Saints leaked all this crap about him that he believes is unfair and not true. And uh, it ran through their mouthpiece, essentially, that being Jeff Duncan in this circumstance, Jeff Duncan, friend of the show, uh, who got good information, put it out there that really hadn't been out there. And I think Mike Thomas was pissed. His side of the story was very clearly not in there. Um, and now he's kind of showing that he's pissed off. And I guess we shouldn't be surprised by that. No. But the fact that it's that public, the fact that he got was late getting the surgery to begin with, uh, just the general tone between the two sides seems really ugly and makes me really wonder, like, is there any future left between these teams? Now, uh, fans and media were able to deduct pretty quick that the timeline for the surgery with the start of the season didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, Larry's story highlighted some things that had not come out yet where uh, Michael Thomas is supposed to get this surgery or he can uh, do a non-invasive surgery, kind of a um, not holistic, but, uh, you know, just therapy for it without yeah. surgery. And he opted to go that route in California. The Saints said, go for it. That's fine. Yeah. We're going to check in to make sure everything is clicking. Uh -huh. The Saints kept calling. You know, they're knocking on the door. They're sending over a fake flower guy. <laughs> Michael Thomas is not responding. He doesn't answer. He comes back. Ankle's still fucked. Saints, 
also fucked because of this ankle. <laughs> yes. Michael Thomas, some uh, f- representatives, friends, people close to Michael Thomas has said that he sincerely did not know that the ankle was fucked up, but there's really been uh, no uh, reply for the allegations that he has uh, ghosted, yeah. as the teens would say. Yeah, uh, his uh, his football team. Yeah, you're making, you know, 20 million dollars, whatever he's making. And, you know, he earned the contract. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of uh, hindsight being thrown out there and a lot of a lot of people kind of criticizing the Saints for being like, oh, ever since you paid this guy, he hadn't done shit for you. And it's like that is true. But he got hurt in week one running up the score when he should not have been on the field. OK, let's not for let's not let Sean Payton off the hook on that. Right. OK, this never had to happen. He was running up the score in a game the Saints had won against Tampa Bay. How'd that work out for you? Uh, the same way he was, you know, doing the skull chant to the Minnesota fans five seconds before the Minneapolis miracle. The same way he did the, you know, the hands choking sign Devonta Freeman. Just shut the fuck up, Sean. Just stop doing stupid things. Anyway, his arrogance is part of what makes him him. So whatever. Uh, but that. That part gets conveniently left out every time that this conversation comes up is how he got hurt in the first place. I'm sure Mike Thomas is a little pissed about that if it really, you know, you were to inject him with truth serum on that one. It was also uh, fueled the Bucks to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It ended up being the best thing that could have happened to the Buccaneers um, as you were trying to run the score on them. So this is bad because it's very clear Sean Payton and Mike Thomas pretty much hate each other right now. They don't trust each other because they're not talking to each other. They're going through media and through social media to get their messages out. Uh, This is a bad situation. The Saints had to pay him. He's the best receiver in the NFL when he's healthy, and they had no choice. You had to keep that guy around, and this is where you end up. And so it's an unfortunate situation. I don't really blame the Saints for giving him the deal, but it does hamstring them because they can't really trade it without taking, like, a giant dead cap money hit. Is fifteen million? It's like a, it's like something like that this season, and then even more next season. It's like twenty something million next season is of this huge cap hit, uh, and so it's tough. It's really difficult to to trade him right now, so you have to kind of deal with it. And if you trade him, you also lose the either the best or second best player on your team. I believe so, it's uh, June 2022 before they can trade yeah. or release Michael Thomas. That's a long, which is a long time. That's the long time of hating the guy on your team. Not going to be good. And yeah. the Saints certainly can't afford it. No, they can't. They can't afford the. They, they're in enough cap trouble as is. Um, so anyway, that now is that a, would be a, that is a story <laughs> in and of itself. On its own, that is a disaster. That's horrible. Yes, for this team. But what else happened? Let's see. Patrick Robinson, cornerback, Super Bowl winner yeah. with the Eagles, not the Saints. He uh, retired <laughs> in the middle of training camp. I went to training camp. I don't think uh, I don't think I had on the last episode, right? Oh no, you hadn't. It was right. I went to later. training camp. Uh, it was hot enough to make somebody retire. <laughs> They, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the stands. I'm getting missed it. I'm doing the worm, all that stuff. These guys are baking out there. So it's not uncommon. I don't think to retire during training camp. There was a guy on the bills that did it. There's a guy who did the bills who retired during a game one time. That yeah. Awesome. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But yeah, I mean, it's not uncommon. I agree. People do retire during camp. That does happen. 
Usually what happens is you, like, lose your starting spot or you're, like, have a really bad camp. Like, he was he going to be. He was doing reps with the first <laughs> yeah, team. He, it was, he was the starting corner. In fact, he was the only starting corner that we knew was going to start the first game because Marshawn Lattimore is almost certainly going to be suspended. So now the, the Saints will be down a position they were already insanely thin at. They were, are now going to be down both starters that they had penciled in for the opening game of the season. And this is where Paulson Adebo rises (laughs) to the occasion. Marshawn Lattimore had, he had a shot in 2017. He was given a shot and he made the most of it. Yeah. Can Adebo, am I pronouncing that right? I have no idea. Sure. Sure. Yes. Why did I say that? Yes. (laughs) Of course you're pronouncing it right. Um, No no one who's listening knows. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, Patrick Robinson retires. So what? He's 34. He's old. He may have still been good. He may have been a starter. Yeah. Marshawn Lattimore's in prison forever. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah, you have the we worst s- set of quarterbacks in the NFL for week one. Whatever. Okay, Against Aaron fine. Rogers, it's great. fine. We've still got big nuts Lutz. That's right. Will Nuts. Wait, what? Mm, no. Will Lutz, core injury. It's a sports hernia, I think. I'm guessing this happened at camp because I, I I didn't hear anything uh, otherwise. I'm, yeah. And he, uh, it's an injury where he will be out eight to twelve weeks. Jesus. Which is a long time. <laughs> Three quarters of the season. That's most of the season, and I'm sure as a as a kicker, you don't come back from a core injury right as rain. No, I wouldn't think so. You know, that's probably most of it, I would think, would be the core. That's why I think they said for like a normal player, it would be a four to six weeks. But for him, it's six to eight. Jesus. Or eight to 12. Goodness. Well, the the Saints went out and they signed, uh, I almost said Bill Maher. Brett Maher. Yeah. <laughs> New rules. <laughs> Our kicker sucks. <laughs> Brett Maher was on the Cowboys for a couple seasons. And uh, he, he joins the elite uh, Saints facility of uh, it's a pipeline now from the Cardinals training team. <laughs> the if you if you were on the practice squad for the Cardinals, <laughs> it is a gold light railroad to starting for the Saints. And he made that trip. <laughs> the Saints are going to start two guys for opening day who were on the Cardinals practice squad last year in Prince of Makamura and Brett Maher. You got no cornerbacks, <laughs> a questionable safety, and you're going up week one against uh, Chip on his shoulder, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Devontae Adams. Oh, but hey, at least you're starting defensive tackle. Oh, wait, no, he's suspended for taking steroids. Well, at least we can be there in the dome cheering at full volume. <laughs> Nothing. Oh, wait, what's that? Latoya, you call her the destroyer. I'm not as uncouth. Uh, she has laid down the law that going into Saints games, you're going to have to wear a mask, which, <sighs> come on. How can they enforce Honest to God, if they have a full crowd, they cannot enforce it. It's Period. Uh, what is it, 70, 60,000? Whatever. If it's more than 500 people, they cannot enforce that. Because they're not changing the, uh, the admission restrictions. There's no cap on how many people can be there. No. So you're going to have 70,000 people, centimeters from each other's faces, screaming. Yeah. And you're going to have everybody sick, everywhere's closed. Uh, so are there going to be people in the Superdome walking around saying, hey, put on your mask, and that you're not going to be able to hear? Yeah. And maybe there are, but they're, they're not going to be able to get Everyone? all those people to do it. Yeah. 
And the first guy who takes his bass down and nobody says anything to him. Oh, yeah. Everyone's going to look around and go, well, I guess I don't have to wear this. And that's it. Now, I do expect that they will announce sometime this week that there will at least be requiring vaccination. I think that's probably a given at this point. Well, there is going to have people there. There is also the rule of if you're sitting down, you have to wear a mask unless you're eating or drinking. Who isn't going to be eating or drinking the yeah. entire time they're in the super? The whole game. This is absurd. I'm just holding a beer. Yeah. The whole game. That's easy. Got around that. <laughs> that was simple. Uh, no, that's, I mean, it's ridiculous. That whole thing is, it, it, it literally makes. Is, are there rumors about the Vax card coming to the Superdome, or is this just your personal inclination? Uh, no, I mean, there's rumors, and it's, it's almost like, it has to be. There's no other way they can do it. They've canceled everything else. We'll get to it later, but. Jazz Fest canceled, Red Dress Run canceled, White Linen Night canceled. Like they've canceled everything else in the city, and at this point, they have to require vaccination. We are like the hotspot of the freaking country. They have to, and, and and places all over the city are requiring it. Places all over the country now, arenas all over are starting yeah. to require it. So. Lollapalooza in Chicago last weekend yeah. required it. All these festivals, it, it is. It seems to be working. There doesn't seem to be much blowback or outbreaks or super spreader stuff coming from these events. Really excited for the always uh, fast moving and efficient Superdome staff getting people into the building. Also now having to check vaccine cards oh my God. to make sure that everyone is legit. Well, that, oh, that's going to be great. That guy that lives in East New Orleans printing off the fake license plates, <laughs> he's just printing off the fake Vax cards. Oh, now. yeah. I mean, somebody's going to show them a graham cracker. Yeah. Like, ah, whatever. No, my, yeah, Dr. Nick Riviera gave this to me. Let me in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've ever gone through the metal detector to Superdome? It's like, I mean, I could literally have a bazooka on me. Be like, ah, you're good. You want to come on through. You're fine. Uh, and then the other uh, wonderful uh, thing of what's going on uh, with the Saints. Uh, so wide receiver was already horrible. Uh, and because Michael Thomas is not there, they have no other players. Apparently, Marcus Callaway is playing well. So that's one thing. Uh, but Deontay Harris, they came back. His blood alcohol level was three times the legal limit. So he wasn't a little tipsy. He was shit faced driving around. Uh, so he will definitely be suspended for some period of time. And he deserves to be. And now the Saints have no one. But I, I was reading today about how uh, him and Jameis have been having really good connections and good chemistry. <laughs> oh, I there why. was a 45-yard <laughs> touchdown pass today in practice. Yeah. Does breaking the law give you camaraderie <laughs> with your team? If, it, if you're putting out 45-yard dingers, I say <laughs> go get lit at Roberts down the street, drive around, make a new friend. Oh, dude. Uh, Three times the legal limit. He's not a huge player. No. <laughs> he's our signing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's in every other way. He's better than us, except at drinking and driving and at, <laughs> and at height. Uh, but, yeah, man, like, I also really feel at this point for the reporters who are out there. They're, like, sitting there sweating and, like, giving play-by-play -play updates. I'm like, guys, no one cares. The entire team is falling through a crater in the middle of the facility. But the punter battle's over. <laughs> I was there the day of the punts. The How'd day I went, it was punt practice. Everybody <laughs> on the team was punting. Uh, I saw a punt. I, I don't know anything. Sure. I saw a punt, and I was like, that seemed like a good punt. And then I opened up Twitter, and like nine reporters were like, 5.6 seconds. <laughs> the punt battle is over. I'm like, I thought that was the fucking towel boy out Which there. Which guy won? I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was number three. Sure. 
<laughs> That's great. We'll find out. I think the Saints have a preseason game, uh, I think, uh, Saturday night uh, or Friday night. I think it's Saturday night. And then they're in the Dome August 23rd, uh, supposedly with uh, a full house full of mass people. So we'll see how all of that goes. I'll be there at the Cardinals game. I refuse to wear a mask for religious reasons, <laughs> but I will be dressed up like the guy from Halo, and I think that counts. That has, that's that's a, a face mask. shield. That counts, right? That's a face shield. You'll be fine. All right. You'll be fine. All right. Uh, that'll take us into our next segment. Coming up, we've got the NOLA Breakdown. That's right. Every week we are going to get into a little bit of New Orleans news on top of covering New Orleans sports as your leading authority for local stuff uh, here on this podcast. Uh, and hey, always uplifting to talk about what's going on in this city, right? Between the Pelicans, between the Saints <laughs> and just between regular day to day news here. We're a ray of sunshine <laughs> in the podcasting community. Yeah, sure. We're a community. Uh, just sunshine, gumdrops, and uh, New Orleans news. Uh, another mass murder in the middle of Bourbon Street. Uh, I actually don't know how many people actually died. I'm assuming several. Uh, I think five or six people were shot. 1,100 block of bourbon again. So what is that? 300 feet from Pato's. Yeah. Uh, you know, pretty damn crowded right there. Uh, you know, sometime in the early morning on Sunday. Uh, just a complete joke, man. It's just, th there's no security presence. There's. N I remember going to Bourbon Street not long after Katrina, and the amount of cops there was unbelievable. It was like, there was a cop on every corner. They had these giant floodlights. There was, you know, they're on horseback. There's like, literally, they were, there was such a, a, and then there was a shooting not long ago, and they responded to that with a whole security team and everything. There's nothing. They don't care. They either don't care or they can't do anything about it. And both of them, both of those things are terrifying. That this happens on consecutive weekends, and it's now just like a shrug-worthy event. I wonder what the difference between, like, crime statistics in the French Quarter are from now to Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Could it, was it worse then? It's hard to say. I have no, well, I'm sure we could ask Jeff Asher. Yeah. I'm sure he would tell us, but uh, it does feel like, uh, shootings on Bourbon Street used to be really rare. They did happen, but they were really rare, and they were a really big deal when they happened because it is the economic heartbeat of the city. There are not a lot of places in the country where you can name a street on in that city. Like where people or when we go to New Orleans, we go to Bourbon Street. When we go to Miami, we go to South Beach. When we go to Vegas, you go to the Strip. There is a handful of places that are like that where it is very obvious what you do. Uh, you cannot have Bourbon Street be a place that is unsafe. It is a complete disaster for New Orleans for it to happen on consecutive weekends and for really there beats no public outcry about it is a, uh, a, a a huge problem for New Orleans. Well, people are just exhausted right now. Yes. You know, everything is COVID, everything is crime, yeah. and people are just worn thin. Yeah. So it's why there's not an outcry. Most locals aren't on Bourbon Street True. at 3 a.m. You know, they're thinking this is tourist shit. I don't really care. I'm worried about my kid going back to school. I'm worried about work. I'm worried about all these other That's things. Fair. 
So, you know, the city of New Orleans gets away with this. But, you know, you mentioned like South Beach, uh, you know, Beale Street and Memphis. Yeah. The, the difference between those and Bourbon Street are I don't feel like it's lawless on Beale Street. Yeah. I can look around and see police presence. I can, uh, what is it, like Fulton in Vegas, like the covered area, oh, all that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cops everywhere there. It yeah. doesn't seem like, uh-oh, something bad's going to happen. On Fremont Street. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But even the Strip, you know, it's the same way. Like, you can't, I, and, and Broadway and Nashville is the same way. Like, there are streets that are big and busy, and you go, and they're the tourist heartbeat and economic heartbeat of these cities. Bourbon Street is as established as anywhere in the country, and it is a, a big problem if people do not feel safe going there. And I don't feel safe going there right now. I'm not going to go there after after 10 o'clock at night right now. Well, you're going to start. That's a huge problem. You're going to start seeing repercussions of this. Businesses are going to start leaving the quarter. They're going to start going to Metairie. They're going to start doing what all the people are doing. They're going to go to Metairie. They're going to go to the West Bank. They're going to go to the North Shore. And then the only industry that this town has, because there's no entertainment industry here anymore, is going to die. And then this is going to be Lake Charles, Louisiana, too. Well, that was uplifting, wasn't it? (laughs) That was uplifting. I like that. Uh, our fearless leader, Latoya Cantrell, uh, you know, being very mask heavy right now, talking yeah. about how important they are. And then I think I've seen like 10 pictures of her not wearing a mask and talking to people in public places. Oh, so I course. guess it's not that important. Yeah, it's probably your butler or whatever. <laughs> I've seen so many pictures. And, you know, it's one of those things you sort of put yourself out there. We're in this weird transition period where. Everything's open. It's not like it was, you know, during the the early stages of the pandemic where things are very bad, but everything is also still open. We just have this requirement that she is very hard about. So it's very easy to catch her uh, because like all of us, she's not wearing the mask all the time. And therefore, she just looks like a massive hypocrite. Uh, I actually don't blame her as much on this one, but it is hilarious that everyone's just finding it and just crushing her with it all the time. This outbreak is because of people not getting vaccinated. 100%. Not 100%, like 90%, but yes, it is definitely. Absolutely. And people not getting vaccinated. I went to Metairie this weekend. Walmart was closed. The Walmart on Veterans Boulevard was closed from Friday through Sunday because a whole bunch of COVID. Goodness. I saw gas stations closed. And this is, it's not just COVID. It's also just nobody wants to work. Uh, But, like, the mall was dead except for the millions of people there trying to buy shit. There's kind of like that pandemic, like, uh uh-oh, we're going back in. I got to buy all the toilet paper. That buzz is kind of in the air. But nowhere has anybody working at it. I went to Chili's because I like to have a good time. I was I was in Metairie. I went to Target. I was like, God, after that, I was in a line that was like out the door at Target because oh, they had God. like two people sure. working. I was like, I need a drink. What's the what's the best bar in Metairie? <laughs> I, I went to Chili's. I go to Chili's. There's one lady. She's sweating like a maniac. Yeah. She's smoking two cigarettes inside. Uh-huh. She's like. Go sit at the bar. Uh, there's uh, there's one person they might they'll okay, and I'm <laughs> like, yep, I understand what that means. So I sat at the bar. Twenty minutes later, no one ever said a word to me. It was chaos in there. Oh my! There were like church families. There, li- I literally saw two employees working. Oh my god! I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this to this poor woman. Yeah. So I left for my chicken crispers and margarita. Oh man, I 
would have been good. I know, it would have been great, wouldn't it? Oh God! But yeah. this is the this is the new pandemic. Is that there are a million jobs nobody wants to work? You know, you go down Claiborne, and at every single intersection, there's people with signs saying "Give me money," and then right <laughs> next to them are nine businesses saying "We don't care what you smell like, what you do." Please, for the love of God, work at rallies. We'll give you $20 an hour. For the love of God. It's just like a very, it's like a, I don't know, man. It's like, a, what is it? Westworld? Not Westworld. What's the other one where everything sucks? Broken Mirror. Yeah, there's a lot of shows where everything yeah. sucks. That's uh and Kush. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's it's like Black Mirror. You've it, got people in front of the the money store that's hiring, saying, "Please give me some of your money." Well, there's principles of like how the world is, how our you know society is supposed to be built, and they're all sort of sideways right now. And so it's very hard. Like we're in this temporary weird period, and it's even harder here now because there's this giant outbreak of COVID, and so everyone's kind of freaking out about that. Totally understandably freaking out about that, which only adds another layer. To all the bullshit that everyone in the country is going to, it just is even harder here. Uh, but is everyone in the country going through it? Because it seems like... Yeah, there's a labor shortage everywhere. Well, I meant more just like the COVID in general. No, no, it like is way worse here. And, yeah. Like it is Louisiana and Florida and nobody else is getting it as hard. <laughs> it, like, it was literally like Louisiana, Botswana, Florida. Those are the top three places uh, you know, per capita with COVID. Um, and then, of course, you know, well, at least we got a lot to look forward to. Uh, you know, we got festival season coming up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. 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 They're all canceled. So Jazz Fest canceled, like we said. Uh, White Linen Night, Red Restaurant, everything has been canceled. Uh, probably safe, but at the same time, I don't really understand Jazz Fest canceling. It's in like 10 weeks from now. They could easily require vaccinations. If Here's my thing, and I've gotten in like a million Twitter fights in this. Listen. I'm fine with them canceling Jazz Fest if you're also not going to allow restaurants to be at full capacity, if you're also not going to allow the a full frickin' Superdome. Yeah. This isn't about safety. This is about money. This is the people who run Jazz Fest did not think they could fill Jazz Fest. Ticket sales, I think, were not going the way they wanted them to. All these other festivals that AEG puts on all over the country are still going on. This is not the and then they made it about COVID. I don't think it's about COVID. I think they just didn't trust that this was going to be good in 10 weeks from now. They had like a 60 day cancellation policy. I think you're going to see a lot more reporting on this. Uh, and every time I brought anything up of how weird this is, that they canceled and nobody else in the freaking country. We're playing by a totally different set of rules than everywhere else in the country. And all I got called on Twitter all day was a murderer and an asshole and, you know, like Attila the Hun, and I'm just trying to sl and I'm selfish and slaying people in the streets. Like, no, New Orleans is getting treated totally differently than everywhere else. It shouldn't be getting treated everywhere that much differently. We're not talking about a, a festival tomorrow. Yeah. We're talking about a Saints game in about a week, okay? They haven't canceled that for fans. LSU starts in, what, two weeks, three weeks? They haven't done anything about that. But Jazz Fest in October, that's gone. While Austin City Limits is like adding more acts and all these festivals all over the country are going full steam. Jazz Fest is the only one to cancel. It's weird. It's bigger story than anybody's letting on and it has nothing to do with public health. I like the conspiracy theory ranting. There we go. I love it.
You know what else I love? What do you love? Segments. Let's go. Overrated. Overrated. Underrated. Overrated and underrated. You can send them to us if you've got them. Polkandkush at gmail.com. We always enjoy it. Uh, Going to kick it off with overrated. What you got for us, Kush? So all of these pundits, when you listen to them, okay? There's lots of pundits, lots of reporters, lots of blue check marks out there in the world. Oh, yeah. And whenever they're trying to make a point about why something is bad, the thing they always compare it to is pro wrestling. It's like pro wrestling. Politics is like pro wrestling. Real Housewives is like pro wrestling. It's like everything that's dramatic and someone's being an asshole intentionally is like pro wrestling. It is not a clever comparison. It's not a smart comparison. It's certainly not an original comparison. Everybody keeps using this. I feel like I've seen 10 stories about how the GOP is just acting like a wrestling heel. And that, you know, whatever that the uh, anything societally where someone is like playing the uh, the bad guy role, they're just being pro wrestlers. It's like this is not original. It's not interesting. Can we please just drop this? It's I feel like these people think that it's clever when they're coming up with this. Nothing about that is clever. Do you have a solution, an alternative? Yes, stop comparing things to pro wrestling. That would be my comparison. People have to compare stuff. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a way of relating things. Uh, a big thing, yeah, pro wrestling, but people... Uh, the only book anyone's ever read in the last 20 years was Harry Potter. <laughs> so you get, like, Voldemort a lot. You or you get, like, people like, oh, you know, Brock would be in Hufflepuff or what. <laughs> Whatever that means. You do. You often get a lot of people comparing things to uh, The Office, too. You know, like, oh, there's just like Michael I think Scott a lot of did. your friends yeah, do I'm that. Like, oh, this is, it's like, there are, there are a couple of flashpoints where everyone compares the same stuff. And, like, dude, the politics to pro wrestling thing is really, like, a constant. And all these nerds who cover politics continue to think that it's somehow, like, an interesting or clever way to do things. And it's just not. I would just like everyone to stop. Stop comparing politics to pro wrestling and stop really comparing anything to pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is a very wide genre because it covers a lot of different spheres at once. Uh, and no one watches pro wrestling, so you don't have any idea what pro wrestling is like now. Stop saying trite things is yeah. really the <laughs> argument here. Let's get rid of amaze balls. Let's stop <laughs> saying that raccoons are trash pandas. Let's. Stop quoting Wayne's World and Borat and Anchorman. <laughs> well, no, you can keep doing that. All right. <laughs> I'm fine with that. A bridge too far. What you got for underrated, Bolt? Uh, day tripping. Okay. As opposed to taking a vacation. Okay. This is inspired. Me and the lady went to Grand Isle on Saturday. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, you want to get a hotel? The hotels are a million dollars. It's two hours away. Let's just not get hammered. Let's just Ooh, go. Bold choice. Let's just go and wake up early. Go. What do you What do you staying overnight at the beach for? The beach is fun for three hours. That's true. And that's it. Yeah. I went to Gulf Shores and it's like everything's a million dollars. There are mm -hmm. five million people. I was done with the beach after three hours. Yeah. Reconsider your crazy trips where you're going <laughs> to stay in an Airbnb. Everybody with an Airbnb is a maniac. You take out your fucking trash. I'm. <laughs> I'm paying you $500 <laughs> to sleep in a race car bed. 
yeah. under a bridge. Yeah, do, do you do the laundry? Don't when I leave. Yeah. don't leave dishes in the sink. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> Have you been to a hotel? You can do. You can light a hotel on fire. I'm paying a three hundred dollar cleaning fee. What are you talking about? I have to take the trash out. What's the cleaning fee for? Okay, this is getting into Airbnbs <laughs> being overrated. Uh, no, dude, the beach in particular, man, is like it. it the prices have skyrocketed. The beach is worse because there's more people there. Yeah. There's more big developments than there ever have been. Uh, and I, I don't understand what happened. It's like the entire Gulf Coast became like this thing where everybody from like six states just goes every weekend for the summer. It's yeah. crazy how many stuff. I remember going to Destin 20 years ago was like a nothing little town. And now it's like bigger than New Orleans. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I'm I'm not going to be participating in that beach culture anymore. I'm going to get in. I'm going to get out. I'm going to start evaluating other trips that way. That, so, like, what's the furthest you'd go to where you would just leave in the morning and come back that night? Maybe three and a half hours. So I can go to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. <laughs> You can go to Althea's, Althea's on, in Hattiesburg. I can get pretty close to Jackson, Mississippi. You can almost get to Tuscaloosa, right? I right think about, so. Yeah, maybe I can get, I can get to Pensacola. Yeah. I can get to Pensacola. <laughs> okay. Like, when you account for the tunnel yeah. and Mobile, uh-huh. I can get to Pensacola. You can definitely get to Mobile. Yeah. <laughs> you might be stopped there for a couple hours. I'll get to Pensacola. I'll go to the Irish place where they have the bean soup there for a go. penny, and then I'll head on back. There you go. Yeah, three and a half hours, I was going to say. That's, I would say two, uh, but yeah, I do appreciate the day trip. Uh, it is, uh, it's definitely cheaper. When you have kids, though, you have no choice. Yeah. It's like you, you, you gotta, when, when you gotta throw on the brakes, you gotta throw on the brakes. Kids overrated. <laughs> <laughs> throw them in there. Ah, uh, that'll take us into my favorite part of every single week on this year's program, ladies and gentlemen. The word! The worst. The worst is the worst thing I saw or read this week. I've got this one from Huff Poe. Man rescued after two days stuck inside giant fan at California Vineyard. <laughs> giant fan? Yeah, stuck inside a giant <laughs> fan. That would be a different headline if it was about me. <laughs> it's like, it like a hamster wheel? Authorities rescued a man who said he had been trapped for two days inside a large fan at a Northern California Vineyard. The man was discovered Tuesday by a deputy responding to a call about a suspicious vehicle parked near the winery in Santa Rosa. The deputy saw a hat on a piece of farming equipment and then found the man stuck inside the shaft of a vineyard fan. (laughs) Firefighters rescued him as opposed to leaving him there to die. (laughs) That's why I wrote the story. The man indicated that he liked to take pictures of the engines of old farm equipment And after a thorough investigation, which revealed the farm equipment wasn't unique and the man had far more methamphetamine than (laughs) camera equipment, the motivation to climb into the fan shaft remains a total mystery. I can guess what the the motivation was. I mean, maybe you're high on meth and you're like, I'm a little hot. You know what I bet's really cold? <laughs> the inside of a giant fan. Uh, I was like, once they said methamphetamine, I was like, I don't think you need to look for a motive anymore. <laughs> they really buried the lead on this one. <laughs> yeah, the man will be charged with trespassing and drug possession, as well as violations of a probation case. <laughs> Vineyard fans are used to circulate air across vines to keep grapes from freezing during colder months. Who knew? 
Is this a colder month? <laughs> like it's August. Oh, my God. And then there's a photo of a very white, very bruised leg coming out of the bottom yep. of what appears to be a large fan. <laughs> if questions are raised, was the man able to reach his methamphetamine while he was stuck inside the fan? Yeah. So at least he had some kind of entertainment yeah. while he was in there. <laughs> sure. You know, you start coming down after eight hours, nine hours, pop another one. If you're going to be dying in a fan, you might as well be dying while having a blast. Does meth come in pill form or does it have to be smoked? Uh, it can be smoked. It can be <laughs> crystallized. You can snort it. You can take it in a capsule. So you don't need that much flexibility. No, he didn't have a pipe in there, I I'm sure. I wouldn't think he had a pipe. It could blow up the fan, too. <laughs> God knows his life would be a lot worse. <laughs> or maybe the fan itself is used as a giant pipe, and he just put the crack at the bottom of the, of the thing. Ha you know, maybe the sun cooked it a little. <laughs> it's like meth head MacGyver. He was just, yeah, he's <laughs> in the largest hot box of all time. <laughs> Hotboxing also not normally used for meth. Yeah, <laughs> the hot box inside <laughs> of a cool fan. Yeah, shit happens. Uh, how does meth not make the headline there? I don't know. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Maybe this is HuffPo. Maybe they were like, we're not going to shame the man. <laughs> we're not going to shame the crackhead who was stuck inside a fan for two days. I, that's a long time. It's longer than you'd want. <laughs> I think after about an hour, I would just try to get out. And if I die, I die. I bet he tried to get out. <laughs> you would think that with his... Uh, his you could kill yourself, right? With his meth smoking prowess, he's probably adept at stealing copper, yeah. wiring, yeah. disassembling metal. <laughs> this man's a loser. He didn't get out of the fan. They found him... I just don't understand how he got in it, but he couldn't get out. I don't know. Like, there's clearly a path. Yeah. There's no just, you know, it's not like a, a, a moving escalator. <laughs> it's like where you can get one way, but you can't get the other. This photo, which, I don't, it makes which no sense. we'll tweet, it looks like he went in from the top. So how he didn't get decapitated, I don't know. We're going to find this man. I assure you. <laughs> the first, he, our first guest. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, He's the, really articulate. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great if you could explain it blow by blow. It's like, oh, no, I was on a ton of meth. Yeah. He comes on and talks about the buddy trade happening <laughs> next week. <laughs> he explains cap space to us. I'm just like, the story is begging for more details. It's very unfortunate. Well, they need to do more for us. Yes, they do. They need, they, I feel like this is a HuffPo has really let us down. I've Such a reliable news source, usually. I filled in so many gaps, but unfortunately, <laughs> the gap that can't be filled is the body-shaped one he left in that giant fan. You think they knew that he had the meth on him already? Or that's literally like, he couldn't, get, he couldn't throw it through the fan? Like, you would, like, you know the cops are coming. Yeah. Get rid of the meth. You might not know the cops are coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know someone's <laughs> coming. That or you're going to be dead. If somebody got stuck in a fan in New Orleans, what would happen? They would not report a suspicious vehicle. They would steal the vehicle. That is true. <laughs> and then they'd leave the tires in front of your house. Yeah. <laughs> the fan would be non-operational for years. 
to get the parts to repair the fan. You have to get them from Sweden, and it takes six months. You don't really use the fans anymore. The first fan was built 120 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That would have been a different story. Very true. Had it happened here. Very true. Well, wrap us up, Mr. Polk. Uh, if you like what you heard, rate, subscribe, tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter at Polk and Kush. I tweet from there. You can follow Scott directly, Scott D. Kushner, also on Twitter. Shoot us an email, polkandkush at gmail.com. If you've got a story, if you've got something you want to hear about, if you want to threaten us with physical harm, <laughs> polkandkush at gmail.com. We are sponsored by Ale on Oak Uptown's finest patio with over 30 beers on tap. And, as you heard earlier, Jansen Batagna at French Quarter Realty. The theme song and the music you've heard tonight is by Mike Wiebe, lead singer of Dracula's Riverboat Gamblers. And he's got the podcast, Zach and Mike Make Three, with uh, that guy from Rise Against. It's on iTunes. Download it right now. Thank you so much. I'm Andrew Polk. That's Scott Kushner. We'll see you next week. See ya!